with you this morning. We're going to be looking at the book of James because we're in a study of the book of James, and we're going to still continue in chapter 1. I told you last week I had a lot more notes going, and I never got done with them. And I, you, if you know me, I, my wife hates it when I study. I was telling Brother Neil out here this morning, too. I said, this week I struggled because I looked at this one section of text, and I have four different sermons written out of just one section of text. So I had to pray and say, God, which one do you want me to go with? And he, he, he said, I want you to go with this one. And I said, okay. But I still feel like the other four are going to get interweaved somewhere in some of that topic as we kind of just dig into the text and try to, to, to ascertain exactly what the Lord wants to speak to the body this morning. But if you have your Bibles, turn to John, or James chapter 1, verses 19. And we're just going to go through 21. I know we'll have it on the screen if you don't have your Bible, and those at home online, if you just have your Bible, just follow with this as well. Let me clear my throat for a second. Whew. And it says, Know this, my, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Father, Lord, I need you right now. Lord, you've had me going in 20 different directions, Lord, and, and I know this week has been one of those weeks. But Lord, clear my mind, clear all of those that are hearing it who have been dealing with the same stuff this week. Let them be quick to hear, Lord, what you want to speak to our hearts and to our lives and into our souls. Now let it have the ability, Lord, to impart something within us that we need this week so that we can survive a little longer as we hold on to the nourishment that your word gives us. Lord, we praise you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Like I said, a lot of different things going through my mind. I'm going to try to stick with my notes so I have some clarity. So I hope you're ready. I promise it's not 30 pages this week. But last week we examined James, and as we looked at it, we understood that James was looking at the people that he was writing the letter to, and he was doing it in a, in a, in a, in a specific topic to address issues within that group. Last week we talked about steadfastness. We've got to remain steadfast in the faith when all these things come at us. We've got to remain solid-footed in the trust and faith that Jesus is who he is, says he is. I was at FCA meeting yesterday. If you don't know what FCA is, it's the Fellowship Christian Associations where, where I, I get to go into high schools and I get to talk with students about Jesus in a time where, where it's, it's supervised, but it's not. We're going against some of the things. But nonetheless, one of the things, that the questions that they handed me yesterday was, do you believe that Jesus is the Savior a good speaker or a lunatic? That right there messed me up. But it's a great talking point because it opens up the dialogue. But so often in the world today, we don't remain steadfast in our solid foundation of who Jesus is. I'm not going to preach the message last week. I just need to feel like I need to reinterpret this for a second for somebody that needs to hear it this morning. You see, some of us question Jesus, and it's okay to question Jesus. 
Did you not know that it's okay to question your faith? Because questions open up the opportunities for God to show up who He is and show us who He greater His impact that it is going to be in our lives. You see, remaining steadfast means that we ask God to come in and say, God, just be in my life and show me who you are. Let me trust you when I can't stand. Let me reach out to you when I'm sinking. Let me hold on to you a little tighter and see hope get reassured in every walk. You see, Abraham, I, I, I don't know, this is not in my notes, so this is not even in my four sermons I wrote, but Abraham was a man who was desiring God so much that he said, I don't care. I counted all rags as long as you're not with me. He wants to see God move as we read through his story. And he was willing to even kill his son according to God's command. But God already had a plan. We know that he would hold up a new sacrifice, not his son. But he wanted to see his faith get shown off. He wanted to see a steadfastness in his people, in his followers. And today, we live in a world where steadfastness is so weak within the church because there's so many distractions. Like Brother Kenny was talking about 9-11, I was watching it this morning too. And I can remember 9-11 vividly in my mind. If you were around in 9-11, I'm sure you can if you were watching it. I could, my, my daughter was asking me, Daddy, what were you doing on 9-11? How old were you? I said, honey, I was 19. Dad, you were old. I said, yes, honey, I know I'm old. I know you're still young, and I know you got to... And then she says, why are they jumping from the buildings? And I said, it's because they were afraid of the fire, so they thought that the fall was better than the fire. And then she says, but why did these people do that? I said, because there's wickedness in the world that want to get us to look, get off, off kilter and get off this off stance and, and not have that steadfastness anymore. And she says, but Daddy, what did that do for you in those moments? And I said, honey... I woke up with my alarm clock being a radio alarm clock. She says, what's a radio? I said, okay, we're not going there this morning. And I said, but I woke up to the announcement that a plane had hit the first tower. And then I can remember watching that. And I can watch, remember seeing the nation just turning from like, what? To questioning, to all of a sudden they're like getting a little bit of fire in them. But that at the same time, it was the same thing that happened in the church. People were coming to church because they were fearful about what was coming next. I think it's interesting that when people fear things, they come to the church hoping to find it, but, but 21 years later, you still see the same thing where people go in and get a reassurance for a second, but their steadfastness is so weak that they just fall off. And it's hard. Within the church today, we have to be willing to stand strong in our faith, trusting that God, if He is who He says He is, will never fail. And we have to walk in that steadfastness that our faith will be reassured at the moment that He desires and we can see Him move miraculously. Man, my phone, I forgot to put it on mute. Sorry. Sorry. 
We all have to have that, that focus where we say, God, I trust you with everything that I have. And James, as he was writing the letter to a bunch of followers who I'm sure were struggling like we do today, still back then, he was saying, it's time to get a little bit more strong in your life. It's time to get a little bit more strong in your faith. It's time to get a little bit more strong in your desire to see God do something. But then he flips the script on him in a little bit. And he uses the words, Know this, my beloved brothers. I'm going to add sisters. Just because i got to be inclusive on that one. Because it's truth. It wasn't just about the brothers, Tyler. It was about the whole church. And what he was saying was, know this. You've got to know this. It's not just a verb that you go and you open up an encyclopedia. Oh, uh, you open up Wikipedia on your computer and you start Googling the responses saying, how do I do this? And you read it. It's not saying, just go and do your research. It's not saying, okay, you just need to go read a book and just sit back and take a look because it's the reading rainbow. It's saying that I got to go in and I got to actually open it up and I have to practice what it's saying. And he's saying it's not a verb. It's, it's a dedicational know this. And when you know that he says know this, you know that there's a, an implication that needs to come through this. But he says know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Be quick to hear. Those words are something that's so alienable in, or, or alienated in the world today. Why? Because we don't want to hear anything. I'll be honest. I go to Meyer, and I'm pulling out my AirPod Pros, and I put them in, and I put them on noise cancellation, and I get my task of I got to get through this aisle, I got to get this over this aisle, and I got to get out. Yeah, it's nice, it's wonderful that I can go in and just shut the world out. But something has to happen within our lives where we have to realize that there's not always a moment that you can always hide away. You see, we come into church every Sunday and we come in carrying baggage. We come in carrying hurts. We come in carrying defeats. We come in carrying all kinds of, of trash that we've been dragging around Monday through Saturday. And when we get in here, we sit here and say, I want to put my noise-canceling headphones on, and I want to get into my zone, and I want to do this, and I want to worship God how I want to worship God, and I want to interact with the people that I only want to interact with. But James was looking at the church, and he said, I see there's an indifference within the church. You see, there's a, there's a struggle that happens within the church because we're supposed to be one body taking care of each other, but it ends up being sections of this or that. Only the hand will take care of the hand. Only the, the foot will take care of the foot. And it gets into these little zones and these grooves, and people quit talking. I'm sorry. We're all supposed to heal each other. We're all supposed to bear each other's burdens. We're all supposed to lift each other up as we get through that. And the only time that can ever happen is if we're willing to actually be participants in the listening aspect. So when he says, be quick to hear, he's saying it's time that you actually look after one another. 
and start hearing this because you have to realize the example was set forth by this guy named Jesus who walked the earth. And he says, I want to take care of everybody. I've heard their cares. He didn't just go walking around only healing whom he desired. A lot of the times people were coming to him and he would heal them. Sometimes he would seek out those that he would hear in their prayer lives and he would go and heal them. But what I'm saying is Jesus says, do not cast away those that need me. The church has often done that. Not this church that I'm aware of. I don't know who this message is for, but there are some people in this world that need to hear that you can be heard. And we want to hear you. We know there's difficult topics that need to be addressed. We know that there's people that have been dealing with issues that need to be heard. We know that there's people that need to know that they are loved. And that can only be done when they have been heard. So as James is writing this, he's saying, church, it's time to wake up. It's time to put a focus on on people that matter. Don't get all puffed up thinking you are all right and all that in a bag of chips. I'm sorry, we live in a world who, 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 who so often only want to hear what they want to hear. I, 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 I hate the term cancel culture. Because what I've seen the world go to, we used to have great debates. We used to have conversations with people that, that didn't agree. And then somewhere in this, this last 10 years, our society is looking so indifferent. Because if you, they don't like what they hear, they'll throw everything, including the kitchen sink, just to never let you speak. They don't want to hear you. Can I say it real quick, church? The church has done the same thing sometimes. We got people coming into the churches that live alternative lifestyles. And we've rejected them so that they will never hear the gospel. We got people that are drug addicted that come into the church and we're like, ah, oh, no, you can't come in here. We don't want to hear about your struggles. I'm sorry. That's not what it's supposed to be. Better yet, we've had people that have come in and had kids out of wedlock. We've had people that come in that have been divorced 20 times. We've had people that come in and that smell like all high heavens because they've been living on the streets. I'm sorry, if the church is not willing to be the beacon that allows God's love come through, then what are we? I'm not trying to be harsh, I'm not trying to be anything, but I'm so tired because the cancel culture didn't start in the world. I truly believe that it started in the church and the world just took it and just ran with it and grew it into a giant snowball. And so when James is telling us it's time to be quick to hear, he's trying to tell the church followers that it's time to start looking at after, at looking after others. It doesn't matter the stuff that we're digging with. What matters is that we are beacons and vessels that allow Christ to get exalted through our lives. So as he's saying, be quick to hear. And then he continues on and it says, slow to speak. Let me put my wife's counseling brain into my head real quick. She always tells me, honey, if you don't hear what I'm saying, I don't want to hear what you're speaking. But too often we get ahead of ourselves because we think we can fix them. I can't fix anybody. You can't fix anybody, but I know who can. 
Can I get an amen to that? Because I know who can. And if you've been following Jesus long enough, you know who can. But too often we get ahead of ourselves within this flesh that we deal with that James talked about, how it's corrupted because of the original sin of Adam and Eve, and we're still trying to work it out through salvation as we're walking out this walk with Christ. And we still struggle, and we still get ahead of ourselves. I'm looking at my wife, she's telling me an issue, and I'm saying, honey, I can fix that. And I get that eye roll that you can see a mile away. And I'm sure I do the same thing. I'm like, honey, I got this issue. Well, just do this. Put a Band-Aid on it. Yeah. Better yet, there are times that my kids, they look at me and say, Dad, what is, I have a question for you. And I always look at them and I say, okay, the easiest answer is always going to be Jesus. And I know I don't do them a service, but I'm trying to do a point, but I'm not really giving them a service because when they come up with, me with these serious questions, the name of Jesus, yes, is the answer for everything because it's above everything. But I'm sorry, when they tell me, Dad, I'm out of toilet paper, can you get me some toilet paper? That's my serious question. Jesus is not going to wipe them. I'm, I'm sorry, that don't mean to make it so horrible, but it's just, there are some times that I have to not be so quick to speak. We struggle with that same ineptness within our lives. I mean, could you imagine me coming up here and I start preaching a word and I start using the big theological terms like emancipation and, 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 and evangelicalizing and, and, and pneumology and all these things that you'll be like, okay, I don't even know what those words are. And all of a sudden I say, okay, go walk off. And, and you've been filled. But I didn't listen to you at the moment. I'm sorry. I've been to school. I know the terms and I know what they mean, but I don't use them because I know that I have to be willing to take it to you with a level that I know that I've heard you speak because I was slow to hear, or quick to hear and slow to speak. We have to do the same thing. We can't go up to other people in our lives and say, Jesus is always going to fix this. But I'm still struggling over it. Yes, you're struggling, but Jesus will fix it. Yes, it's true. And it's caused rejection within the world because of that. And James saw that in the early church. Let me say this real quick. As James was writing this letter, they speculated it was between the years uh, 40 A.D. and 50 A.D. And around those times, there was this one emperor that came into, to, into power. His name was Nero. And if you've ever done any historical studies about who Nero was, Nero was a really sadistical uh, emperor. There was a great fire inside of Rome, and what did he do? He says, it wasn't because of any kind of building systems I put in. It was all them Christians. And so, uh, during the time that James is writing this letter, they speculate that there was a big, giant persecution of the church like they'd never seen before because of Nero. And as James is writing this, I'm sure that there were some indifferences that were going on in the church body, too. There were indifferences that were occurring because people were getting a little bit discouraged in their walk and in their life. We think the church is under persecution right now. You haven't seen anything yet. 
And when James is writing the letter, he's saying there's a reason why we have to interact with people outside, but it's even better and more important with who we interact with inside and how we do so. So if we're quick to, speak, to hear instead of actually being quick to speak, then we're, we're doing what Jesus would do. And he's saying it's time to start hearing the issues that are going on. We have been a church for too long, not just faith fellowship, that has been only about the entitlement of the thing that we've been promised down the road instead of worrying about those that we need to pull alongside of us. My wife and I will always tell you this church is meant to be a hospital. We want those that are hurting. We want those that are questioning. We want those that are thirsty. We want those that are hungry for food. We want those that have, have been cut by so many people to come in and really, truly feel who Jesus is by the life that we walk out in this world and that steadfast truth that we're supposed to do. But that's only going to come if we put on these natures of Christ. And that's where James gets his focus from. He says, be, be quick to hear and, and slow to speak. So wrath, as another translation says, or anger, for wrath of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. See, as James wrote this, I've seen it and conversated with people. They said they speculate that the church was having some growing pains because of the persecution. It's easy to follow Jesus when it's all smooth sailing. Can I say that again? It is so easy to say, I love Jesus, when it's all going great. It's hard to love Jesus when it all hits the fan. It is so hard to say, Jesus, I trust you, but my, my home is in foreclosure. It's hard to trust Jesus when, when you don't have the food on the table. It's hard to truly follow Jesus when everybody's telling you that you're a lie and that you're fake and that Jesus doesn't exist and they want to kill you. And so as James is writing this, 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 this idea that he needs the church to put on, he's saying it's time to put down those struggles. It's time to carry each other's burdens. It's time to quit thinking that you're higher and mightier than everybody else. And that's what he's saying is you got to be quick to hear, slow to speak, because if you start speaking before you hear what it is, I can guarantee you anger is going to come in. And if anger comes in, what comes in afterwards? Sin. Because anger always produces a reaction that's not good. I can get a holy, righteous anger and start flipping tables. But I can guarantee you it's not going to look good with other people going, why is he flipping tables? He just is a whole bunch of a hypocrite like the rest of them. And what I'm trying to get at, church, and I know the time and I know how much more notes I have because I've only hit page one. <laughs> but it's in the aspect that we're supposed to be something different. You see, James is Jesus' brother. He knew Jesus. He grew up with Jesus. He witnessed Jesus do his miracles. He, 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 he learned about who Jesus was. And he was saying that my brother was greater than everybody else because of who he was, because he was God's son, even though he was my half-brother and all these aspects. And I need to put on his natures too. But church, 
as we walk through and try to put on these natures of Jesus, it's going to cause issue. Because we are fleshly beings that struggle day in and day out with everything that we have to walk out the obedience. You see, we struggle because for some reason, sin wires us for self. You can see that in a child. Nora walks around and I say, give me that toy because you've lost it. No, it's mine. All my other kids have done it. I know every other kid in this world are probably similar, unless they're saints. But we have this nature that says, I only want to worry about me, myself, and, and I. But what Galatians 6 and 2 says, bear one another's burdens so you fulfill the law of Christ. We're supposed to walk out this life where a concern is for each other. No, I'm not going to say I know it all. Don't. But I know who does. I know your struggle, but I know who knows it greater. And I know who the one that can fix it is. And we have to walk out that manner. We have to walk out this life with that reassurance in those aspects. And it's time for the church to start putting on these Christ-like natures of the ability to be good listeners. Because if we're not listening, what are we? We're just a loud noise. And I struggle with that. For me, myself, I'm an introvert. My wife, she's an extrovert. At least she says she's an introvert, but she's an extrovert. So when you see her, she's a, just tell her, I said she's an extrovert, and you agree with me. No, really don't do that, because she's going to watch this and yell at me later anyway. But what I find is, I don't want to be a loud voice. I'd rather be the one that hears. I don't get into the pulpit without first hearing from God with which direction to go into. I don't want to get into a place where I'm not hearing who God is. Because what I've learned is, when I hear who God is, because I've learned to be quiet, this nature and this mannerism, where I'm more inclined to listen to heaven than actually always put my cares and concerns at heaven, that I've seen the difference. James is saying that there's a fleshly aspect of hearing. But there's also a heavenly aspect to hearing that we need to take home. See, we can get into our prayer closets, get on our knees, and give God everything. And then the second we get done talking with our mouths, we get up. But why don't we actually spend a little bit more time on our knees just quiet? As in saying, God, speak. It's when we ask God to speak, that's when he actually does. And when we invite him into it. And that's when we actually are actively participating in the know this, the dedication, that there's something greater in our lives than if we'll just hear it. You see, we have to be ones that do that. Because if we do not hear correctly, we will not receive the word that could save our souls. See, James himself was saying, be slow to speak. Be, or be here, quick to hear. Be slow to speak. Uh, slow to wrath and slow to anger. So that it does not cause the un not produce the unrighteousness of God, but lay aside all the filthiness and all the wickedness and receive the, the, the implanted word with meekness of, of the thing that will save your soul. You see, we only can receive it as if we're listening. It's easy to come in on a Sunday and listen to me. 
It's easy to come in and, and, and hear the words and let them go in one ear and out the other ear. It's a whole lot harder to actually hear. And if we're not willing to hear, then we're not willing to actually be obedient. And if we're not willing to be obedient, what good are we? I don't want to live a life where I'm disobedient. I want to be a life where I can hear from heaven and know that I know that I know that I know that He lives. I want to open up this Word and I want to read it and I want it to have the ability to impart this, this awesome Word that impregnates me with, with the ability that I can actually stand strong in this life. That's what it takes to be the church. And James is telling us that it's time to start letting that to come into play. We have to be willing to hear it. We can't let the lies of the enemy be the only thing we hear. You're not worthy. I'm not worthy. You're a loser. I guess I'm a loser. You're not loved. I guess I'm just not loved. But it's time to start truly hearing, I loved you more than anything. It's time to start letting God speak to you and says you have more value than you'd ever know. It's time to start hearing the value that comes through it when he says, I sent my son. I let him get pierced with your transgressions. I let him die on that cross for your sins. I let him get reborn and re, or re brought back to life so that you can have new birth and new life. See, that's what comes through the hearing of His Word. That's what comes through hearing of His voice. That's what comes when we are quick to hear. But we have to get into that nature and that mannerism. And if we do not, then we'll never grow anything past where we're at. See, there's hope for tomorrow in the hearing. There's hope from tomorrow when we ask God to speak. I know... I am still saying, God, I want you to speak tomorrow. I want to see which where my help comes from. I want to see him exalted. I want to see this place so dedicated with itchy ears like these youth are now, where they want to hear the truth in it. I don't know about that, but is that you today? Is that you today? Are you hungry for him? Are you thirsty for Him? Are you dedicated for Him? Are you really going to say, I want to know this? I want to know this Jesus. I want to know this Word. I want to hear His voice. I want to hear those who are hurting so I can lift them up too, like Christ. See, if we can do that, then we'll make the difference. If you'll stand with me this morning. I see the time, and I see my notes. I guess part three is coming. Maybe part seven, I don't know, with the way my notes are coming. But I want to encourage you this morning. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. So that nothing will come up out of you that will cause anything that will cause a detriment to your fellow brother and sisters. Be quick to hear so he'll grow you in that. If you'll just pray with me this morning. Father God, Lord, I gave you the word that you wanted me to give. Lord, I've gone all over the place with my notes, and I know that I'm on direction because you're moving through me. But God, I ask that you let these words that they hear this morning, whether they're here in this house or online watching this, Lord, I ask that you let them 
take the word to hear. And let it be the beacon and the vessel and the thing that you need it to do, Lord, so that it edifies their faith. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just move upon them, Lord, and I ask you just encourage them, Lord, to be quick to hear. Be quick to hear your words. Be quick to hear those that are around them, Lord. Be quick to be the Christ-like nature that you've asked us to be in this world. God, we need you to restore this church. We need you to restore our lives. We need you to restore that which the enemy wants to destroy. But that will only come if we are quick to hear. So Lord, right now I ask that you just move upon us. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in the cars. Speak to us in our private lives. Speak to us in our prayer time. Speak to us through the Word as we read to it because your Holy Spirit's moving through it. Speak to us, Lord, because we want to hear. Because we know it's so imperative that we know this. God, touch us this way. It touches so that we can be rooted to the rock that is firm and a strong foundation. One that which we will not falter. One that we will not drown. One that will hold us up strong and true if we'll stay on it. God, we need you to be everything that we have. Lord, we trust you today, Lord. And as we get ready to leave this house, Lord, I ask you to let us be the church. As we go out, Lord, let us be beacons that are shining to those that are lost and dying. Those that do not know who your Son is. Those that are desire a relationship with Him. Let us be the beacon, Lord, that can proclaim truth because we've heard it. And just be with us, Lord, and protect us until we get to come back together, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Church, I love you all. It's 12.01. I think I got out of here a record time lately. Sister Phyllis is ready for lunch. I'm sure Brother Jack is excited too. So. But anyway, we look forward to seeing you next week. Um, and, and if you remember, just if you're 55 and older, hit Brother Jack up for his address. I'm sure he'll give you his digits. We love you, and we'll see you next week.